Joining us from Jerusalem is uh, Samir Abdel Jabir, WFP's representative and country director in Palestine. First, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak to us, uh, Mr. Abdel Jabir. I want to ask you about the order issued by Israeli authorities for the entire population in northern Gaza to start moving south. How is WFP dealing with this development? So before that news, we already heard of 430,000 people that were displaced. We were rushing to support them in shelters. We were able to reach 92 shelters, uh, designated shelters, where almost 220,000 people at one point were supported in those shelters at any given day. All of a sudden, hearing that news, we needed to think about our staff, about our partners. Where will they go? How will they go? And at the same time, make sure that we can respond to this amount of people on the move. We don't know what would be remaining functional in terms of markets. We already had electricity cuts in Gaza. There was no electricity in the last night or so. There is no sufficient fuel and wheat flour for bakeries. And the most important thing, there was already no sufficient clean water. So clean water is for drinking, but also it's to help in making food. Electricity is needed to, for people to basically be in communication with the outside world, making sure their families are aware where they are about. But at the same time, it's good to make sure that food is not getting spoiled. So with this number, all of a sudden, we had to focus on already a very difficult infrastructure in the southern part of Gaza. Mills have been affected, shops have been destroyed, but yet we needed to understand how we can respond and support people and make sure that our staff, which is our backbone, safe and sound. So like you just said, you know, this uh, complete closure of the Gaza Strip affecting everything from electricity to water to food supply. How is this affecting your operations? Are you able to continue delivering? So, so far, we've been able to reach people since day one, when they started seeking shelter in the designated shelters. Until today, we were able to reach almost half a million people. These are not figures we're proud of, on the contrary, actually. These are figures that explains the catastrophe that we are in. And those are figures before we have full information about the needs now after the move that was ordered. So we're looking at understanding what is going to be functioning now. We're looking at every way to make sure that there is food supplies going into Gaza and medical supplies and water from other partners, of course. But I can't really imagine that we would shut down because we are the only lifeline at the moment to the people on the ground. Of course, uh, many UN officials have called for humanitarian quarters to open in Gaza. Where have talks on that reached? Does it look any more possible today of making this a reality? I hope it will be a reality soon. We're basically not that picky. We're saying we're happy to work with any possible entry point. We want to make sure that there are commodities going into Gaza. And we need to make sure that diplomacy prevail. We need to make sure that the member states and everyone is supporting and I know that there are lots of discussions in that end to make sure that we are able to get goods into Gaza because they're in desperate need at the moment. And uh, from your perspective, what do you think such a corridor would look like? Uh, where can aid come in from? Like I said, we, we, we're not really picky. We are trying to assess 
all possible supply chain corridors to make sure that we're able to get in food. We're looking already at possibilities of, we already did actually, routed food from different pipelines to make sure it's available in the region so that we can get it in as soon as any corridor opens up. I want to talk to you about the situation of your staff on the ground. Has WFP already started any arrangements for them to move out of the northern part, at least of Gaza, as ordered by Israeli authorities? So we followed the instructions that we received as UN, and we had to communicate with them for their safety. And I can say that it took us a number of hours once they started moving to get in touch with them and understand their whereabouts and make sure that they're safe. We did not lose any staff member or any dependent, but the situation for them is very difficult. And these are the first responders. So these are the people who are supposed to be supporting the people in need. At the moment, they are in shelters. They are hosted with families who are there to support as well. So we're looking at a very difficult situation that they need to really care for themselves and care for the others. And I have to tell you, they're not people who are selfish at all. They are actually prioritizing the public. They're prioritizing the needs on the ground. And you can see it in how they're communicating with with each other. And I'm sure this is just a representation of how things are happening there. People are opening their homes, their anything they have, they are sharing it with others to make sure that they're dealing with this uh, catastrophe in a human way. I think humanitarian principles are really needed there to be followed and make sure that people are receiving the basic human right in terms of their needs. I'm sure you received the reports that there are plans to cut internet basically off of uh, Gaza starting tomorrow. Are you able right now to communicate with your staff and how would such cuts affect your communication with them? So it's already difficult to communicate with them in the past couple of days. And, you know, Gaza does not have a sophisticated mobile infrastructure and internet services. They already had basic internet services uh, before the crisis. So cutting down the communication channels now would mean that we wouldn't know where the needs are. We wouldn't know where our staff are. We don't we didn't know what and how they could support the response process and uh, once uh, stocks are coming in and uh, pipelines are established. So it's going to be a very, very difficult situation. Finally, I just wanted to ask you, what what do you need? What does WFP need from the international community right now? I think WFP and all the humanitarian partners, they need only three things at the moment. One, making sure that there is a safe access into Gaza. Two, make sure that we are able to move in safety within Gaza to make sure that the people that we are there to support and serve are receiving the assistance. Three, we all need urgent funding to make sure that we are able to pre-position and buy the commodities that are required as soon as possible to make sure that we are actually making that aid get into Gaza. Mr. Samir Abdel-Jabir, WFP's representative and country director in Palestine. Thank you very much for your time today, sir. Thank you, Albert.